went to high school that was considered a pretty good United States public school in a county that was considered a fairly wealthy county as far as American schools go in the United States. And I'm saying that because I want to sort of put some things in perspective about the folklorish history that I'm going to tell you because I don't have a lot of documentation for the things I'm going to say, but things I've actually experienced are stories that have been told to me by people who either experienced them or, you know, had them told to them by somebody who experienced them all about my high school, which to sort of give you some understanding, this high school is in what is now very definitely suburban DC, um, not actually in DC, but in Maryland, it's over the state line, but it was still sort of struggling in the, are we suburban, are we rural time frame when I was going to school there and just to sort of give you an idea, one of my classmates had gone deer hunting over the weekend and accidentally left his hunting rifle in his car, in his truck. And at the end of the school day, I was, I could have, I could have been arrested. That would have been really, really bad. Because this was just after Columbine. There were a lot of things that were said about Columbine that really, really resonated with me and my classmates about our school. That dates me a fair amount. Congratulations, you've discovered I am in fact older than Jesus. To give you some more perspective, my high school had a tradition of a senior class prank. My year, I graduated in the year 2000. Our prank, I was not a part of planning. We spray painted M&Ms on the tennis court. And the only thing that was that was cool about that was that it was the year 2000. And so, you know, yay, we could count in Roman numerals. Another year, not far in, in the past when we were students there, they got a cow on the roof. And rumor had it they had to airlift the cow off because cows can't really go downstairs the way that they can go upstairs. So the ones that got the cow on the roof, there was not really a whole lot of easy ways to get the cow off the roof. A much longer time ago, and this is a story that was told to me by some alums of the school that I was babysitting for. So they went there in high school and this wasn't their senior class prank or a prank that was pulled while they were students there. It was before their time as well. Uh, and again, I don't have any documentation for this story, but apparently the senior class prank was to take the English wing, they took the English wing hostage with actual guns and knives for a whole day. That was their senior class prank. Sort of connected to this is also the story, this, this other piece of folklore about my high school. It was renovated in the late 80s, early 90s. During the renovations, they made all of the ventilation systems SWAT team accessible because we had a history as a school of racially motivated altercations. I don't know that riots is necessarily the right word, but they thought that it was very probable even in the 80s when they were putting this renovation together that the SWAT team might need to go into my high school someday. Interesting, but also a little terrifying to know about your school, if it, if it is indeed true. And again, there's no documentation that I have found on my searches on the internet. The continuation of school shootings is terrifying. When Columbine happened, I didn't totally understand that that was special in that there was a lot of class privilege going on. Inner city schools had had shootings for a long time on school campuses. This was sort of the first time it had crossed into my understanding that it could happen outside of that situation and for to a certain extent for different reasons. I think that was America's wake-up call as well. Should it have been? No. We should have been aware before Columbine that that was really something that was happening and was going to continue happening 
in, in all kinds of venues and it hasn't stopped. I think the Stoneman Douglas shooting is, you know, a continuation of that constant problem and, and a reminder. And so it's been really interesting to me to connect that back to the high school that I went to and the protests that I engaged in while I was a student there and, and how the school handled those at the time that I was enrolled and how it's handling them now. So when I was a student, when I became a freshman, we had this thing called Flex. It had been there for a long time. It was basically 20 minutes in the early morning, sort of after one or two classes that you could hang out. Flex was awesome. We loved it. And then the second year I was there, we got a new uh, new principal. And he's like, no, this Flex thing is a total drain on our time and our resources. And you guys are going to be in class now. We did not riot. There was no need for the SWAT team accessible vents. But we did, we did protest. We signed petitions. I believe the first couple of days of the school year, we took flex like it was still a thing. And that was the end of that. But we just wanted to lodge our discontent. And then junior or senior year, uh, one of our teachers was made an assistant principal. She got a promotion. Congratulations. I'm sure she really deserved it. But we were jerks because we felt we were getting jerked around. This teacher decided to really start enforcing the dress code, which we had not nobody been sticking to ever. Nobody really did. And it was primarily against the female students because female students are the ones that the dress codes are designed for, right? You can't wear, it is way harder. It is way harder for a girl to dress within the dress code than it is for a boy to dress within the dress code. And so my female classmates started getting sent home. And so some of the male students started to protest as well by wearing the tank top undershirts. I'm not going to call them wife beaters. I think that's a horrible, horrible moniker. They would likewise get sent home. And so we, one day at lunch, I don't even know that it was planned. I don't know that it was organized. I was not one of the students in on that, if it was. But we had just decided not to leave the lunchroom one day and held a sit-in, very disrespectfully chanted the vice principal's first name. And we would not leave until the principal came in and said, okay, I hear you. You think that this is ridiculous. Everybody, please go to class. And there was safety in numbers in both of those situations. Nobody got a call home that I was aware of. Nobody got detention that I was aware of. And so the second that I realized that my high school was once again facing having to handle a protest for a much worthier cause. Guns in schools and the death toll in this country is a much worthier cause, particularly in the in the area where I am now. In Baltimore City, I mean, there were almost 400 deaths violent deaths last year, homicides alone. And that I don't know how many of those took place on any school grounds, but there is a gun problem in this city. It just really moved me, and I decided to start contacting parents I knew and faculty I knew about what was being done at my old high school to see how it continues to handle these things. And they did an okay job. From my understanding, uh, students who couldn't go downtown to protest walked out to the football field for that 17 minutes, and students who could go downtown, you know, got a letter from their parents or guardians from somebody at home to excuse them for the day and if they didn't come back inside you know that's a problem if they didn't have a letter from their parents and didn't come to school that day that was a problem it was an unexcused absence but one of the things that I think is really interesting is in a lot of the coverage everybody kept saying these students are exercising their first amendment rights and and the thing that I kept coming back to in my brain is something that I tell my students now and it's something that was told to me when I was a student on campus you as a student do not 
not have all of your constitutional rights. Schools have repeatedly been deemed special circumstances by the Supreme Court. There, there's in, in the show notes, there's a link to a list of them. Some of them really are, and some of them really only very tangentially. Mostly it's for kids and classes to look at as a starting point for a conversation. There are several rulings that, that do make it clear that the schools did not have to accommodate this. But what I don't understand is the schools that did it. You really don't want your students to be thinking about the murder of other students, to be thinking about the rights and legal ramifications of actions. You really don't. And also it was 17 minutes. It was 17 minutes that your school day was disrupted. Yes, I get that there are four of them. There are four of these different things. But one, I don't understand why schools wouldn't want to support getting involved in this kind of an action in a safe way, right? Yeah, sure, go out to the field. Sure, stand in the hallway for 17 minutes and go back into class. But also it's it's been very clearly laid out by the Supreme Court on multiple cases over the last hundred years that schools are special circumstances. A student, a person, on a school campus cannot expect to have all of their constitutional rights. And one of the things that I think is really awesome is engaging in that conversation, but one of the things that I think is really terrifying is that this very much accepted law about not having guns on campuses, having that be hardcore illegal to the point where my friend who accidentally left his hunting rifle in the back of his truck could have been arrested, should have been arrested, if anybody had realized that it was there. Much like a friend of mine was suspended for forgetting to leave her cell phone in her car. Anyway, if you're interested in learning more about Supreme Court rulings and their effects, I would suggest that you go to the podcast More Perfect. I have only listened to a few episodes of More Perfect because they occasionally Occasionally get aired as episodes of Radiolab, which someday, yes, most definitely there will be a podcast rec for. Thanks for listening to Urban Teaspoon. Look for me on Twitter, Instagram, and even Snapchat at Urban Teaspoon. This episode, research, written, directed, recorded, and edited by me.